Welcome back to the Red Dice Stories. I'm your host, John, and today I'm going to be talking a little bit about the Thief Advancement Method in White Box Fantasy Medieval Adventure Game and how I think it could potentially be adapted for other uses in D&D. Okay, well, first of all, White Box Fantastic Medieval Adventure Game or White Box FMAG as I've sometimes heard it referred to, is a Swords and Wizardry compatible retro clone by Seattle Hill Games. As you might have gathered from the name, it's a clone of White Box. I very much enjoy it. In fact, I've got two different versions of it with alternate covers, one showing a lovely dragon on it and the other with some cool black and white ink style artwork that I find very evocative and really sort of conjures up that old school gaming vibe for me. But anyway, putting that aside, this I'll put some links down below where you can find a white box FMAG, but this isn't a review of that. I might do that in future, but that's not the point of this episode. Now, I started thinking about white box FMAG after recording our recent episode on thieves and how I don't think that the, the sort of thief skill in inverted commas system in D&D particularly works. Or for me, it feels like it's very tacked on afterwards now white box fantastic medieval adventure game that i'm just going to refer to as fmag going forward for convenience handles thievery in a fairly similar way where it differs is you literally just have one thievery skill as a thief and that's rolled on a d6 ranging and you basically need to get equal to or under your score to be successful and from levels one to three you have a thievery score of two from levels four to six you have a thievery score of three seven to eight sorry seven to nine it's four and then at ten which is the highest level you can go in this it's five so at tenth level anytime you try and do something related to thievery you've just got to pick up a d6 roll a dice get a five or below and you are laughing they do still have a backstab as well but everything from picking pockets to locks, disarming traps, remaining silent and hidden, climbing walls, all the other gamut of thief-like stuff that is covered by the various different skills in other retro clones and versions of D&D is handled by this one simple thievery skill in FMAG. And I really like that. I think it's a nice, elegant solution. I mean, at the end of the day, does it really matter if, you know, your thief is slightly better at climbing walls and slightly worse at picking pockets or should you just use one skill for a general overview of how good they are at being a thief now don't get me wrong if you're going to go into like actual customization then as i said in the thief episode i think the specialist class in lamentations of the flame princess where again it's done on a d6 but it allows you to sort of spend individual points to hone your character in particular areas. So, But the, the class is less specifically a thief than it's more like, as it says, a specialist. You know, you can specialise in certain things or you can spread your points out and be a sort of a more general all-rounder. But in FMAG, it's assumed that if you've picked the optional thief class, then you want to be getting up to thiefly stuff. And I don't think that's uh, too much of a broad stretch, to be honest. And obviously, yeah, there's a bit of, I suppose, negotiation when it comes to what actually constitutes thievery in terms of this skill. But there's a handy little description in the book that says, Thieves are stealthy and light-footed. 
The thievery ability may be used for any number of clandestine or stealth-based actions, from picking pockets or locks, discovering and disarming traps, remaining silent and hidden while moving, or even climbing walls. The referee has the final say whether an action falls under the purview of thievery or not. When the thief attempts to use the ability, the referee rolls a d6. If the result is equal to or lower than their rating in thievery, the thief is successful in their attempt. Thieves are not often aware of when their attempts to remain stealthy fail, and the thief always believes he is successful. And reading this got me thinking about, could this very simple and elegant sort of D6 way of looking at it be used to model other skills, but again in a very simple way that's not going to overly complicate the game? Because I think that's one of my biggest sort of bugbears when it comes to these skill systems. They tend to increase the amount of complexity in a game and you might say yeah but only by a little bit john and that's absolutely fine you know it's different strokes for different folks for me though when i play something like dnd especially because i favor the sort of like the bx and that sort of like odnd sort of style era of games or retro clones based on them one of the things i find appealing about them is that they're pretty simple when it comes to the mechanics. I'm very familiar with it, so I can pick it up and just run it without having to worry about how many points I've got to put in my skills, or, you know, like version 3, 3.5 of D&D, allocating all my skill dots, and basically seeing very little actual difference on the tabletop. To my mind, you know, if it's not going to have a difference in the game, why worry about it? Now, there are some good RPG systems that have been modelled with skills from the start, and they work fine, but that's not really the vibe, personally, that I'm looking for when I run or play a D&D game. But I can appreciate why people like them, and it is nice to have an indicator of your general competence at things, or rather your characters, so I can see why people like it. Now, if I look at Old School Essentials, which is my current uh, retro clone of choice, in that there's an optional rule called Secondary Skills. And the way it describes that is thusly. A character's class is assumed to be their primary profession and the focus of all training. This optional rule grants characters a small degree of experience in an additional profession, called a secondary skill, which they have picked up at some point in their lives. It might be the professions of a parent or a mentor, which the character has picked up to some degree, or it might just be a skill that the character practices as a hobby. The rules in here say that when you create a new character, you can roll a D100 and consult a table to determine your secondary skill. And these are sort of a generic smorgasbord of uh, various professions that you might find in a pseudo-medieval environment. So animal trainer, brewer, carpenter, farmer, fisherman, that sort of stuff. In terms of how you use them in the game, it's all fairly light here. It just says... The referee must adjudicate all uses of secondary skills. Generally speaking, knowledge of a secondary skill allows you to perform the functions of a profession at a very basic level. For example, assessing the value and quality of an item associated with the skill, making minor repairs to such an item, or constructing simple items associated with the skill. Under no circumstances should a character following the life of an adventurer be able to approach anywhere near the level of skill of a character dedicated to a profession. And that makes sense, because obviously if someone's been a carpenter for like 20 years or whatever, and then some adventurer rocks up who's been like sticking together a few bits of wood in his spare time, he's not going to be as good. Now, as I've said, it's fairly light mechanically how those secondary skills are handled in OSC. But I was thinking, you know, if you took the 
the same sort of um, scale of d6 rolls described for thievery and you apply that to the secondary skill as well without even changing the values although you might have to tweak it because there's only 10 levels here but you could easily have a d6 roll for the secondary skill so let's say someone's like a level three fighter and they've got carpenter as their skill and they come up to assess like something they're like oh what can i determine about the wood that makes up this door are there any like weaknesses in it you might say oh well roll a d6 to get her a one or a two then yeah you can assess it you can do things like that so it adds a little bit of uncertainty rather than just being able to assess stuff which it depends on your own personal preference you might prefer just telling the player that but i think you know at a tense moment i mean you wouldn't need to roll the dice anyway if they just had plenty of time and they were just examining a door you'd probably just tell them however if they're trying to find a structural weakness to bash down the door so they can get through it before the hordes of ravening hell beasts behind them set down on them that's when a dice roll might add a bit of tension and you might say well if everyone's going to be rolling on these skills well what about the thief well the thief would also have a secondary skill so the thief might be like oh yeah I'm a I'm a blacksmith for my secondary skill. So they get that and they still get to their thievery skill. So effectively they're doubling up on it. Now, in the event that some sort of blacksmith themed thievery turned up, you might have to decide whether to give them a bonus because they've got both of those skills. But I think you could just keep it fairly simple. You know, maybe you just say I'll roll two D6 and if either of them's a success, that's absolutely fine. Or you might just give them like a, a minus one on the D6 for a bit of a bonus. That'd be down to you and how you handle things in your game. So, but yeah, I just saw that potentially the F, the way that FMAG handles the thief skills just with a single simple roll is very elegant. And I think it could be adapted to a wide gamut of background skills. And obviously I'm not suggesting you have loads of different skills on your carrot cheeks that sort of defeats the point of keeping the game mechanically simple but if you just had one effectively this is my background skill of what i used to do before i was an adventurer i think that could add a nice little extra dimension to a character without drastically increasing the complexity of the game so there you go i hope you've enjoyed this little ramble of mine if you'd like to call in maybe tell us how you handle secondary skills or background talents or whatever you want to call them then you can get in touch in a number of ways you can leave us a voicemail message on speakpipe or anchor link in the description below or you can send us an email to rdrpgpodcast at gmail.com until we see you again take care stay safe on whatever you're playing have fun.